Good morning. How are y'all doing? Um, this is going to be a, an interactive session, so if I could ask y'all out there if you could kind of move in closer to the middle here, I'd appreciate that. Thanks. Okay, well, thank y'all for coming out on a early Saturday morning. I appreciate you being here. <coughs> I'm still early for me. Um, my name is David Walker. My wife Joan and I live in Orlando, Florida, where it's hot and sunny today. <laughs> and uh, we work with crew um, with a ministry called Story Runners, where we engage unreached people groups using oral Bible stories. And it's been over 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth and commissioned us to make disciples of all the nations. Yet today there are still more than uh, 6,000 people groups that don't have access to God's Word. And even if they did have a translation of Scripture, two-thirds of the world's population doesn't read well enough that they could understand it. Or maybe they can read, but it's not their learning preference. And so traditional missionary methods have not been as effective with them. So um, to address this need, uh, our ministry was formed. And what we do is uh, put a set of 40. Y'all come on in. You're welcome. Um, So what we do is to put a set of 40 Bible stories into the heart language of the group and equip people to use those stories in evangelism and discipleship and church planning. And our goal in the development of the stories is that they are biblically accurate, orally reproducible, uh, naturally told, and appropriate to the culture. B-O-N-A. We want bona fide stories. So, um, as as the, the people are developing the stories in, in small groups, um, we're also sending them out into the community to, to practice the stories, uh, to test and see if the stories are communicating what we intend them to be in communicating in that uh, audience. And so um, they're also getting practice in, in telling and using the stories in that way. Um, and, and as they're gathering or, or telling stories to people, um, Usually it's going to be in groups. People in oral cultures are very um, communal. They process information in groups uh, rather than, you know, here we like to make our own decisions. In oral cultures, it's a very, you know, interdependent and, and collaborative and that kind of thing. And so they'll end up, you know, sharing stories in groups. And so um, they invite people to continue meeting in these groups. And those groups, which we call story fellowship groups, can become the nucleus of a church plant. Um, just to kind of give you an example of how that's, that's working. Um, uh, Anju is a farmer in West Africa. I met Anju when he was the translator for our workshop where we were putting the stories into his language. And... Um, he had been a committed Christian for quite some time and um, was actually a, a, a almost an itinerant evangelist, I guess you'd call it. But um, he would he would preach to other farmers out in the fields, and um, just because of the 
the oral nature of that uh, society, it, it didn't really communicate that well with them, and they certainly couldn't remember what he would be, you know, sharing with them in a in a kind of a preaching style. And so, as he was at our workshop and beginning to understand the process of using Bible stories, he began to practice that and um, and began to see a lot of interest. A lot of the farmers that he was sharing with were were seeing a lot more. Um, this understanding taking place, and and they begin to uh, begin following Christ and sharing the stories themselves. And so um, he very quickly um, saw um, six groups started, and uh, with one group, we've had eleven people within um, just a few months. There were sixty-five people in that group, and we know of at least um, seven churches that are second-generation churches from the original groups that he had started. Um, So, uh, some friends of mine got to go back there one time, and um, and Anju was baptizing some people that had come to Christ through his ministry. And so they had 19 people uh, walk from the village about a mile out to the river, and they were all singing praises and and everything, and baptized, and... Walked back and singing to the Lord, and my friend said, "You know, it was just an incredible experience witnessing that." And um, and then um, they asked Anju how many uh, people had come to Christ, um, you know, since he had been using this method. And he said, "There are so many, I, I've lost count." So um, it's just amazing. The stories are, are very powerful. They're, um, you know. Life-changing, but anybody can tell a story, and uh, whether you're ministering to college students or in a professional atmosphere or um, cross-culturally on a short-term mission trip or full-time in missions, you know it's a great um, a great tool, a great strategy. But you know when we talk about Bible stories, people a lot of times will will wonder: Are we talking about children's stories or or what? So. Um, what we're going to do is just demonstrate and, and do a, a story fellowship group in an abbreviated amount of time. Um, now, so I will um, I'll tell you a story and then and we'll we'll just walk through the process of learning it and discussing it and that kind of thing. So Jesus and his disciples were headed toward Jerusalem for a special religious holiday. And um, as they got close to the city, a large crowd began to form. And they were cheering for Jesus. They were shouting, Blessings to the promised Savior, the King God said would rule forever. Well, there were religious leaders in the crowd who told Jesus, You need to tell them to stop saying that. They shouldn't be saying those things. But Jesus said, if I told them to stop, the stones would cheer for me. Well, they continued on, and as the city came into view, Jesus began to weep. He said, O people of Jerusalem, you more than anyone should know what would bring you peace. But you didn't know that God is right here with you. Well, they went on into the city, and when they got to the temple, there were people selling and buying animals for sacrifice. So Jesus threw out the sellers. And he said, God says, this is a house of prayer, 
but you're stealing from people and cheating them. Well, then every day after that, Jesus was teaching in the temple and the religious leaders were trying to assassinate him. But they couldn't do it because the crowds were hanging on to Jesus' every word. That's the story. Um, I'm going to tell it again and just be trying to picture it in your mind and you know, forming the, the scenes in your mind. And then as you tell the story, you're just telling back what you're seeing in your mind like you know, telling about a movie that you saw. So um, I'll tell it one more time and just you know, kind of be listening for... Or um, you know what, what what you picture in your mind with it. <clears throat> so Jesus and his disciples were traveling to Jerusalem for a special religious holiday, and um, as they got close to the city, a large crowd began to form, and people were cheering and shouting uh, blessings to the promised Savior, the King. God said would rule forever. Well, there were religious leaders in the crowd and they told Jesus, you need to tell them to stop. They shouldn't be saying things like that. But Jesus said, if I tell them to stop, the stones will cheer for me. Well, they continued on toward the city and and when Jerusalem came into view, Jesus began to weep. And he said, oh, people of Jerusalem, you more than anyone should know what would bring you peace. But you didn't know that God is right here with you. So when Jesus um, got on into the city, they went to the temple and there they found people selling and buying animals for sacrifice. So Jesus threw out the sellers and he said, God says this is a house of prayer, but you're cheating people and stealing from them. And then every day after that, Jesus was teaching in the temple and the religious leaders were looking for a way to assassinate him. But they couldn't do it because the crowds were hanging on to Jesus' every word. Okay, um, so now we're going to tell the story together as a group. Um, so if you, you can just kind of help me out here and pitch in. Um, how does the story start? Jesus and his disciples were heading into the city. Okay, great. And um, I'm going to, for the sake of the recording, I'm going to repeat or try to repeat everything that y'all say and it's off so everybody can hear. So, um, Jesus and his disciples were heading into the city. Then what happens for a special religious holiday? Crowd was forming. Okay. And a large crowd was forming and what were they doing? Shouting praises. Shouting praises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cheering for Jesus. And what were they saying? Blessings to the promised Savior, the King God said would rule forever. So what happened then? So the religious leaders in the crowd told Jesus to tell them to be quiet. They shouldn't be saying those things. Yeah, the religious leaders told Jesus, you need to tell them to stop. They shouldn't be saying those things. And what was Jesus' response? Right, right. If I tell them to stop, the stones will cheer for me. Then what? Went on into Jerusalem and what? I was just saying they headed oh. towards Jerusalem, but the sellers were selling animals for sacrifices. Nope, that's good. People were uh, selling animals for sacrifice. And so what did Jesus do? Yeah, threw the sellers out, and what did he say? 
Yeah, you're cheating. This this should be a house of prayer, but you're cheating people and stealing from them. So then, then what happens? Yeah, Jesus was teaching every day in the temple, and and what do we find out next? Yeah, the religious leaders wanted to assassinate him, but they couldn't. And why couldn't they? The crowds were hanging on to Jesus' every word. Great job. All right. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Did we? Okay. Yeah, that's an important part. <laughs> so, um, backing up a little bit, after the religious leaders tell Jesus, um, you shouldn't be saying this. Um, you need to tell them to stop. And Jesus says, if the stones cry out, then they go on and the city comes into view. And, and what happens? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, so um, so Jesus begins to weep and he says, Oh, people of Jerusalem, you more than anyone should know what would bring you peace. But you didn't know that God is right here with you. And then they went on in to the city and to the temple and saw the, the people selling and buying animals for sacrifice. Okay, good. Thanks. Appreciate you catching that. <laughs> um, all right, so um, in... A, a normal setting, either uh, here in the U.S. or overseas, um, the next thing we would do would be some kind of a learning method to really help internalize the story. But um, I'm going to make an assumption here that this is a familiar story to most of you. And um, for the sake of time, we're going to skip that exercise. But if we had time, I'd have you all get up and, and we'd do a, a skit. We'd act it out. And, you know, somebody would be Jesus and somebody else would be the disciples and the religious leaders and the crowds and, you know, just all the characters. And, and we'd act it out and either I would narrate as you go through or somebody would, you know, say what you're doing as you're performing the different scenes and that kind of thing. Uh, there are lots of other things you can do, uh, sock puppets or... Um, you can just take objects, you know, this could be Jesus and this could be the disciples and something else is the, you know, relig- religious leaders. And, and so you just kind of move the, the objects around on the table or the floor and, and narrate as you go along. Or um, you can do something like we did here where people, you know, kind of pitch in and what's happening next and take a crumpled up piece of paper and just kind of bat it around the room and who gets it tells the next part and they bat it to the next person and they tell the next part. Just, you know, lots of different things you can do, but anything to help people internalize it and and, uh, remember it. So, um, like I said, we're going to skip that part and... um, what I'm going to have you do next is um, is just pair up and tell it to the person beside you. One person tells the story. If you forget, it's fine for your uh, partner to help remind you and or to try to figure it out together, and then switch off in the other person. So we'll just we'll just take a few minutes and and y'all can go ahead and and just tell it the best you can to each other. Okay. Yeah. Okay, has everybody pretty much had a chance to, to practice?
<laughs> All right. Just another minute. <laughs> Okay, we'll go ahead and get started. Well, thank you all for jumping in. How'd that go? Everybody feel like you sort of had it or had it real well? Well, can I have a a brave soul who would volunteer to tell it for the whole group here? I was captivated. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, if you could stand up there, that'd be great. So he said he came here because he likes telling stories to his children. So we got an experienced storyteller here. <laughs> uh, an LSU fan encouraged me to come embarrass myself, so I'll come embarrass myself. Uh, I can speak up. Yes, I can speak up. How's the story start? How does the story start? Jesus and his disciples were traveling on their way to Jerusalem. And as they were going along, crowds were gathering on the sides of the road. And they were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Praise the God who lives forever! Some in the crowd were religious leaders. Some of the elites. Some of the privileged. And they said, Jesus, you should tell them to stop saying these things. This isn't right. This isn't right that they're saying these things. And Jesus said to them, if they don't cry out, these stones will cry out because the truth must be spoken. They continued on into Jerusalem. As they came within sight of the city, Jesus began to weep. He said, oh, Jerusalem, you, you more than any should know what would bring you peace. God alone would bring you peace. And I'm right here with you, but you failed to recognize me. He and his disciples continued into the city and they came to the temple. And as they came to the temple, they saw a marketplace. People were selling and buying things for sacrifice. And he came into the marketplace and he started pushing them out of the temple saying, You can't be here. You're robbing God's people. This is to be a house of prayer. A house of praise to God the Father. And here you are selling and buying and ripping people off. This angered those in power. It angered the religious leaders. And they looked for a way to kill him. They looked for a way to assassinate him. But they couldn't do it because the people were crowding around Jesus, listening to everything that he was saying. Alright, good job. Right. Alright. Tell he's been practicing his storytelling skills. Alright, good job. Great. So now we're going to discuss the story. And um, this is just going to be a devotional type of of discussion, focusing on the content of the story and not, you know, technicalities of, of how the story was told or why we included things and left other things out and, and that kind of thing. There will be time at the end for question and answers and you can ask those kinds of questions during that time. So this... You know, just as, as discussing about the story itself. So, we'll use um, five or six simple questions that we always use with every story. And uh, the first one is just a simple, what did you like about this story? Traumatization. Okay. Traumatization. What else? You can see it in your mind's eye. Okay. Picture it, yeah. Jesus. I'm sorry? 
Oh, you like Jesus in this character in the story? What about Jesus uh, particularly attracts you in the story? Is it... Okay, Jesus is powerful. Good. What else do you like about this story? I like the, the range of human emotion that it shows in Jesus. Uh, he weeps over Jerusalem, but then he's kind of enraged at the injustice in the temple. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you just have that, that human spectrum of emotion as well. But it's all holy. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's great. We really see a range of emotions from weeping and anger and everything in Jesus. Yeah, great. Uh huh. There's a huge contrast between how the everyday people would respond to Jesus versus the the religious leaders. But like we're the everyday people too. So like that's who we live to. Yeah, great. Yeah, you can relate to the everyday people in contrast to the religious leaders there. Okay, well, let's move on to the next question. Would be, is there anything you don't like about this story or, or questions you have about it or, or something you may not understand? The stones would talk. Yeah, yeah, what's that about? Jesus said these stones would, would talk, would cheer for me. Mm-hmm. Anything else? What holiday were the people celebrating? Yeah, it does. It didn't. Story didn't say, did it? Say what what holiday it was, but um, it it doesn't really um, impact uh, our understanding of the story, does it? That we didn't say that. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Uh huh. Why does buying and selling automatically mean you're cheating people? Good question. Good question. Yeah. Probably some things going on there underneath that we don't really see in in the story, do we? Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, um, the next question would be, what does this story tell us about God or about Jesus? And we hit on this a little bit already, but anything else you see in here that... It tells us about Jesus. He doesn't need us to worship him. Yeah, he doesn't need our worship, does he? Anything else? Yeah, Jesus cares about the people being cheated. Mm-hmm. Anything else? He's content with his identity about who he is. How do we see that? Um, if you only knew that God was with you, you'd recognize him. Yeah, good. Yeah. So when Jesus says, um, you know, if you if you knew that God is right here with us and would know what brings you peace, and so he he understands his own identity. Good. Well, is there anything that we see in this story that we can learn about people? Somebody mentioned there are common people and the religious leaders, but there are all kinds of people in here. So, uh, what can we learn about human nature from any of those people? There's haters everywhere. Yeah, haters everywhere. True. Yes. People with power fear a challenge to that power. Interesting. Yeah, people with power fear challenge to their power. Mm-hmm. 
What else? People want to know Jesus more. Yeah, good. People want to know Jesus more. Okay, so the last question um, about the story itself would be, um, how can my life be different because of this story? So would anybody like to share something that you see in the story that you can really apply to your own life? It's a reminder, Jerusalem forgot about who he was and he was among them. So it tells us to keep our focus on who he really is. Great, thanks. Yeah, it's a reminder that the people of Jerusalem forgot you know, who he was. And so we need to, to keep Reminding ourselves who Jesus is. Yeah. Good. Anything else? Good. Yeah, we need to remain in an attitude of praise to the Lord. And, um, that's not our, our normal tendency. And so somebody said, you know, he, Jesus doesn't need our praise, but there is, you know, uh, we need to praise him. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, he enjoys our praise too. Uh, anything else? I'm sorry? Okay, yeah, take yeah, taking worship uh, more seriously, not transactionally. And so, what do you, what do you mean by that? Uh, if you could describe that a little more uh, about transactionally. Does that strike a, a thought in anybody else's mind about that? It's supposed to be reverence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, reverence and it's about God. Yeah, so they were, you know, they were transactioning business in there and instead of there for worship. Could it also be similar to compartmentalizing and checking off boxes like we do here in this country? I think so, yeah, yeah. We tend to compartmentalize, you know, well, check that off. I went to church on Sunday, so move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We just we come to him, and he doesn't require those sacrifices anymore. Great, great. Um, okay, we're doing pretty good on time here. Does anybody have anything else um, that really strikes you in this story? Yes. Stood out to me is you relayed the story initially. And as we have commented in return, is that there were certain details in what you relayed that certainly I missed when mm-hmm. I was retelling it to my wife. But at the same time, there were even finer details that you did not cover, which causes me to think how much is enough to relate to an, another culture who is uneducated in this area, mm-hmm. but at the same time, be prepared if it stimulates questions on their part. Where do I draw that Very line? good, yeah. Like, you know, what? What kind of uh, feast was he going to? Yeah, he, he yeah. mentioned that, but it's probably important to note, mm-hmm. but maybe not important 
in the initial telling. Right, exactly. So yeah, so we're we're transitioning, which is fine now, into more kind of an analytic discussion about you know how we tell the story, how we put the story together, that kind of thing. And he's saying that you know we didn't necessarily include all the details. It's already been mentioned. We didn't say what festival it is and. That might be important at some point, but for an initial telling of the story, it, it might be something you, you would choose to leave out. And when we, um, when we uh, develop our stories overseas, we work from the same scripture passage for all 40 of our Bible stories. But it's up to the people there developing the story what they'll include, what they'll leave out, uh, what words they'll are you know proper names they'll use or or when they'll just use a generic name that kind of thing and um we have a, a system to check to make sure that you know the, all those things stay true to the scripture passage but as far as the overall you know story that comes from that passage it's kind of up to them as to what's going to communicate most effectively in their language um so I'll go ahead and say that the last question we would ask would be, who can you tell this story to? And so I want you to think about somebody that you can, um, this tonight or tomorrow at the latest, um, tell this story to. And uh, if you actually tell this story five times, it's yours. Um, now, a year from now, if you haven't told it since then, you may kind of have to refresh yourself, but... But tell a story five times and you own it. Um, but in the context of a story fellowship group, again, either here in the U.S. or overseas, um, this would be part of a, a, a bigger um, kind of worshipful environment where we might be um, you know, singing some worship songs together, um, a lot of times we'll, in our workshops, encourage people to put the stories to their own style of music. Sometimes those are the first um, you know, hymns or, or uh, praise songs in that language. So that's always exciting. And uh, for people to be able to worship the Lord in, in their own heart language, in their own style of, of music is, is really impactful. But So that might be something we would incorporate. But what we would do is, um, the last time we were together, we, I would have asked, you know, who are you going to tell that story to? So this time we would say, so, um, you know, when you told your fraternity brother that story, what was his response? You said you were going to tell him, so I'm not asking you, did you? I'm asking you <laughs> what happened when you did. Um, and so you, you said you were going to tell that story to your neighbor. How did that go? How did your neighbor respond? So there's some accountability there. There's also a time of um, if people have shared prayer requests. Well, you know, we've been praying about this all week or since the last time we met. How's that going? You know, what's the Lord doing in, in answer to our prayers? So some, just group accountability there. Um, There, uh, we can go back to you know, a little more of the analytic discussion uh, in just a minute. I, I do want to go ahead and mention a couple of things to make sure I don't forget them. Um, we just, I guess, a pause for a commercial break, we'll call it. So, um, 
I put a brochure like this on a couch over there and this couch here. Okay, they got there where everybody can see it. So if you'd like to learn more about how to do this, we offer a workshop twice a year in Orlando. Um, August, uh, well, the next one coming up is in March, uh, March 27th, and then August, uh, August 28th, I think would be the, the next one after that. But it's a three-day workshop where you can really dig in and um, and learn to, you know, learn a, a larger group of stories and learn how to tell them, learn how to lead a group, um, discussion with the stories, that kind of thing. And so um, there's also an optional two-day training after that to experience how we develop the stories into another language. So that's you know that's a week in Orlando in uh, March and then August September. So love to let you know, or, you know if you want to get that card. It's also got our website on the, the card. It has storyrunners.org just in case you missed the card. Um, it does have our English stories there you can listen to or download, and um, the other languages that we've got the stories in are there as well. But there's also a resource page that has tips on uh, how to learn a story, how to tell a story, how to use, you know, some things that, um, I forgot your name, I'm sorry. Tony? No. Gary. 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 Uh, so, you know, obviously Gary incorporated some, some very good storytelling um, style in his presentation there. So you kind of learn some of that, that sort of thing as well. Um, from, from the tips that are there. Uh, how to lead a group, I think I mentioned that. How to use uh, stories in your own personal um, witness, just as you encounter somebody um, you're talking with, and um, you know, it could be almost anything, and you can say, well, that reminds me of a story from God's Word. Can I tell it to you? And uh, share a story, maybe relate that to your own personal story. So it's, it's a great way for very uh, natural a uh, chance to, to share God's Word with people in that way. Um, yeah, just a few other things related to you know tips on using the stories are there on the resources page of our website. Um, so we'll, we'll go back to... Um, if you have more questions about how we tell the story or put the story together or anything like that, or even um, more about our ministry in general or you know, any kind of question like that. We'll just go ahead and talk about some of those things. Yes? What was the website again? Story Runners. S-T-O-R-Y-R-U-N-N-E-R-S dot org. Uh-huh. Yeah, biblically accurate, orally reproducible, Naturally told and appropriate to the culture. Bonafide. So we have a process to test the stories. Um, It starts out, um, if scripture is available in the language that we're working on, um, we'll either get a copy if, if, if there's already an audio copy of that translation. We'll use that. If not, we'll get somebody who can read to read that. If scripture hasn't been translated into that language, we'll use the closest one people might understand, some kind of a trade language. And uh, so people will listen to that recording in small groups and begin to uh, talk about, 
you know, what would we want to use uh, or keep in the story? What would be okay to leave out? What names would we use? What names are okay not to, to use? That kind of thing. And um, and and so they they work on it and begin to you know tell it to each other and get it where they're you know sort of comfortable with it as a, a story. And then um, they go out and practice it in a couple of different ways and settings and um, maybe do some more revisions on it and record it just on a simple MP3 player. And we'll check to make sure that each, you know, go through line by line, each line is still um, accurate to Scripture. It doesn't have to be word for word, but as long as it's the, the meaning is the same. Um, and we'll, we'll do that process numerous times and when we're you know we're finished with the whole set of 40 stories record them all again and again go through that process to make sure as we've revised the stories we haven't changed anything we haven't added anything that's not in scripture Um, any other questions about any of that Yeah, yeah, she asked, okay, yeah, she asked, you know, what, what might be a, a, an example of when a story is inappropriate in a culture. Um, excuse me. So I was with the Jesus Film Project coordinating translations uh, for the film in uh, other languages, and a number of us um, started Story Runners out of some experiences we were encountering overseas with with film translations related to oral cultures. And so the first example that comes to my mind is actually from the Jesus film. And so there's a scene where, um, you know, the the fishermen bring in the fish. Jesus, you know, we fished all night and Jesus tells them, you know, go out and try again. And so, you know, Peter and Andrew are hauling all these fish into the boat, and obviously, you know, the fish are going to die. Well, that doesn't work too well in a Buddhist audience. And so um, they had to work on, you know, how can we, you know, cut that saying out for a, for a Buddhist audience or that kind of thing. It's a lot easier telling stories because you just don't tell that story, or you. You tell it in a way. Um, uh, here's an example of a of a story where, um, if you're talking about um, Abraham's sons Isaac and Ishmael, uh, and the sacrifice. If you're in a Muslim culture, you might not want to say Isaac was sacrificed. Um, you would you would just say his son. Later on, it would be important to know which son it was, but like we said before, the first time they hear it, it's not necessary to know which which son it was. That's just an example of how you might kind of adapt according to your audience. Anything else? Well, um, let me ask a question. 
Um, I know not everybody at this conference is, you know, related to some kind of a, a medical field, but most are. Can anybody think of examples of how this might, you know, be useful in a medical mission trip? Okay. Um, while that was going on, while they were waiting to receive care. Yeah, absolutely. While people are waiting to receive care, you can be telling stories. In this case, it was to children, but everybody loves a good story. So, adults, you know, it's, it's a good way to, to reach people that are just sitting there waiting. That's right. Um, and that we, um, we found, you know, if there's a story already done in the language and it's been recorded, you know, you can even play the story for them. And if you have a translator, you can, you know, use translation to ask questions and get their feedback and that kind of thing. Um, okay. Um, anybody else have any other questions? If you're going into a place and you know that they don't know about Jesus, of course you couldn't start Jesus going to the temple probably, you would start back maybe with the Christmas story or something to introduce who Jesus was. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have to choose your story to, to, to um, identify who Jesus is first. Is that how you yeah. like book Luke or Mark or, you know, how do you, how do you yeah, the question is, how do you identify what story to use in introducing someone where they don't have any understanding? Um, our story set has ten stories from the Old Testament. So if you know you're going to have time with a person, you know, it's a, it's a friend you're or developing a relationship with over time, you know, you can start with creation and work your way all the way through. But um, if it is just a one-time opportunity on a bus or something, um, you still might want to start with a story about Jesus, but this might not be the the one to start with, with the triumphal infantry. You would start with um, his birth or baptism or an early miracle. Uh, Several of the stories in in our set show the power of Jesus over nature and disease and demons and that kind of thing. So one of those would be probably more effective for a, just a one-shot <laughs> chance to, to talk with somebody. She was talking about the elderly lady talking to a group there on medical missions, you know. And um, you know, would you start with that group to, you know, to tell the story of Jesus or before God? You know, you know, yeah. Yeah, what's what to start with? Yeah, we've we've got um, friends who um, have been involved in this methodology for a long time who developed stories um, about water in the Bible. First one that comes to mind is the woman at the well, but you know there's a lot Abraham's well and all kind kind of stories. But um, so they have a whole series of stories on water that people share with people. Um, 
related to water projects or, or people come into where you have water filters available for them to use or, you know, there's a well they gather at, you know, regularly, that kind of thing. So you can, you can choose stories that are appropriate to a particular audience or a particular season or, or that kind of thing. It's, it's very, um, flexible in that, in that way to choose what's most appropriate for the occasion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are those stories about water accessible? Can we get to those? I, if you, um, here's another plug. Uh, where I put the cards on the couches over here, there's also a card where you can um, request more information. So if that's something you're interested in, if you could jot down one of those cards about, you know, ask about the water stories and leave me an email address or a phone number to get back to you, I can look it up and and let you know because just right off the top of my head I don't know you know where to tell you to go but I can yes I just have a general question like when you're sharing stories with people how you like, introduce those stories like you say this is from the Bible and you're serving like in an area where Christian workers aren't welcome do you just maybe take an opportunity to share a story and if they ask you like oh like you that story or like they're inspired by the story yeah. Like, I don't know, like, yeah, it's a good question. I'm yeah. Curious as to how you introduce it. Yeah. A lot of people start um, the story by saying this is a story from God's Word, and they always do that. And when they finish the story, they said, and that's the story from God's Word. Um, but you don't have to do that. You can let the story speak for itself, and and God will work. Um, in people's hearts, so it's just kind of up to you know how how you feel is most most appropriate in that culture. Yes. Uh, some of the missionaries I've worked with in the country of Lesotho, mm-hmm. um, what they do is they start with they do creation to Christ is like one big yeah, like seven or eight minutes or yeah. something. And then and then if there's people that are intrigued mm-hmm. or want to know more, then they move into more of these. You know specific stories, yeah, um, and begin to go deeper. So, I, you know, I didn't hear you talk about creation of Christ. Is that a model that we, you guys advocate? We we advocate it. We don't have one that we you know teach people, but you can um, you can just take an, an excerpt from several of the stories from creation all the way through and and narrate it as one longer story, and it's a good. Um, you know, simple, you know, basically a gospel presentation. Um, that yeah, definitely, definitely. And I do, um, I do know how to find that. If if anybody would like to see that, I can let you know. So you know, put put that on the comment card there. Uh huh. If you're in an area where uh, the name of Jesus has never even been heard, mm-hmm. Christianity is not even. Uh, it's never been. They have no knowledge of it. How do you introduce the stories at that place? Yeah, what the question is where you know no one's ever heard of Jesus. How do you introduce that? We would start with with the Old Testament and um, with creation, and um, they may not recognize one God, but we we talk about the, the one God who created the earth and everything in it. And let the story speak for itself. And it may take a while as you develop a relationship with people. 
you develop trust with them and they begin to to know that you're um, you know interested in them and you care for them and so they're willing to listen often as you go work your way all the way through and lay that background of why Jesus came and then you're able to talk about him. Well, thank you all so much. This has really been um, a great time for me. I appreciate the the chance to interact with you and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Let me pray for us right quick. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for how you've um, been working this last uh, few days and we ask uh, your blessing on the rest of today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you all for being here.